Hey everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hillspring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. For the word today. Amen. We are in 1 Kings 19. We've been there for a couple of weeks, and I know we're just kind of crawling our way through it, looking at the highs and the lows of one of the great Bible characters of the Old Testament. But but I want to hit pause for just a second. And do you guys want some good news today? I mean some good news today. I mean my ladies up in the house are going to be excited. You know what I'm saying? The week of fall break, we kind of closed the campus down because we're putting in a new parking lot at Hill Spring Church. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Reason why I say the lady's all excited, trying to walk through that parking lot in high heels. I mean, it's like dodging the potholes, you know what I'm saying? Those are not speed bumps. They just happened over time. So we are so excited. Pastor Will's going to talk a little bit more about that, but we've got it slated on our calendar, and God's just been faithful through you. And uh, we got an opportunity to be part of that if you'd like to. So anyway, help is on the way. That parking lot is... Uh, Needs to be retired, if I could get an amen there. So Elijah was feeling all the pressure of the culture that was around him, from the moral decay. I mean, he felt like he was the only one that was still faithful and only one that went to church, only one that still served God. There's a story in, in the book of First Kings where he, he calls out 850 of the bad guys, the, the prophets to the false gods, and they have this kind of the showdown at Mount Carmel where they're like, okay, we'll put a couple of sacrifices up here. Let's do this. Whichever God consumes the sacrifice, you can't bring matches, no lighter fluid, you know what I'm saying, no sparklers. And whichever God just consumes that sacrifice, that is the one real true God. And so they, it's a big, long day. Matter of fact, to even the odds, Elijah soaks his sacrifice with water. And he, through God, wins the day, is victorious that day. The problem is the next day, the queen of Israel, Queen Jezebel, who was not a Jew. She did not want to serve Yahweh. She, she actually was the reason why that many people were serving Baal. She puts a bounty on Elijah's head. She's like, I want him dead. And so he's exhausted. He's poured out. He, he's been used to incredible ministry. He's run down. He's overwhelmed. And Elijah in that moment does what I've done before. And he does what many of us have done. We just, just run. And 1 Kings chapter 19 is this story of the great prophet Elijah. Matter of fact, he didn't even have to experience death when it came time for him to go to heaven. He got to ride in a chariot. He won a great battle over all the prophets of Baal. And he goes into this depression. And we're going to find him today in a cave. In our season of life, I, I feel like this is very timely. That a lot of people say this message series is, is very timely. Like when a family or someone gets COVID, yes, the sickness stuff is hard, hard to get over. But I've heard a lot of people that's like, man, it's not the sickness, it's just the isolation. It's like 10 days. Those walls of the house start to, to close in on you, and I can't, I need people, I can't be around people. And so this season of life, it just feels heavy too. Sometimes it feels like we're the only ones that are serving God when the rest of the culture is gladly serving other things, and, and we just can find ourselves in our own version of a cave. And in Elijah's story, he's, rep- he's responding to that pressure. And he responds the way I'm tempted to respond, and maybe the way you're re- tempted to respond, he just runs. He runs. He's looking for an escape. And I'm not sure if you've ever been on an airplane before, but my grandfather 
was a pilot, and I don't mean commercial pilot, he was just a cowboy pilot, you know, and had little airplanes down at Daisy. So my dad grew up flying. I grew up flying. It was a time that I used to fly back in the day. And so when I was a teenager, this was the Sunday routine at the Kellogg house. We would get up, go to church, come home from church, and we would either have Sunday roast or steaks or something good for Sunday lunch. Can I get an amen? And that was followed by a nap time. Can I get another amen? Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? And then the door to my room while I'm sleeping and got drool running down my face, I would hear the door to my room open and it would kind of wake me up and I would hear my father's voice. You won't go? I never had to ask where. Like, I knew dad wasn't going cow tipping. I knew he wasn't going to a rodeo. I knew he wasn't going fishing. I didn't have to ask because if the weather was just right, I knew what you want to go meant. I meant we were going flying. That's what daddy would be like. I'm going to go flying. Do you want to go with me? And of course, being a kid that grew up as a redneck from rural Rogers County, Oklahoma, that would always get a response like, well, as a 40-pound robin fat, you dang skippy, I want to go flying. Does a bear go to the bathroom in the woods? You betcha I want to go flying. So I just love it. I love going flying with my dad. It's so beautiful on Sunday afternoon. So we'd head out, fuel up the airplane, and we'd go fly for a couple of hours. I don't, I don't know if you've ever got to experience something of that. Maybe you've been on a commercial flight. You know, you got to fly at, at some level. And, you know, it can be the most beautiful day when you're flying. And a lot of those Sundays would just be, there wouldn't be any wind. You're like, oh, man, it's going to be awesome. And you'd get up about 2,000 feet, and that old plane would just shake in and bounce you around. We call that, we call that turbulence. And it'd just be bouncing like nobody's business. And it's just wind. It's just air. You can't see it. It's just, it just bouncing you around. And as a kid, I would love for Dad to fly into the clouds. He didn't like to do it because you don't know what's in there. There might be another airplane, and you, know, you, you certainly don't want to do that. But Dad would always say, no, clouds have potholes in them. And they were. Maybe you've ever flown into a cloud. Man, they're just, they're just bumpy. They bounce you around a lot. It, it's turbulence. I've flown a lot in commercial flights, and you kind of have to leave on a rainy day, and it's kind of windy and all that. And you're like, great, I hope this works out. And so you take off, and it's bouncy, and there's turbulence, and it's all being real expressive. And then those moments you're making deals with God, you're holding the person next to your hand, and you don't even know that person. You know, you're like, God, I promise I'll never say another bad thing to my sister-in-law. You know, and I'm like, God, I, I promise I'll move to Africa and be a missionary and all that, right? And you're just bouncing, and it's nervous, and you make all these deals with God, and all of a sudden it just kind of smooths out, and you lift your window up, and, and all those clouds and that rain and that wind that was causing all of those problems is causing you to make promises that you're going to go be a missionary, right? All of that is now below you. The rain is beneath you. And what you see out your window, you see the top of the clouds and you just see beautiful, clear skies that are majestic. Clouds, the rain, the wind, the turbulence, that's all behind you. It looks completely different when you have a higher perspective. That's really what today's conversation is about. Elijah lost his faith-filled perspective. Now, growing up, as a young Jewish boy, he had heard about God's mighty hand. He had heard about God's power. I mean, he had heard the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all that God had done for them. He had heard the story of King David and, and facing Goliath and how God was with him that day. And he had heard the stories about Moses and the 10 plagues of Egypt and then leading them out 
of Egypt and right there to the Red Sea and how God parted the Red Sea and miraculously brought the children of Israel through the Red Sea and then how God provided manna and quail. He had heard all of the mighty stories of God and all he had done for the children of Israel. Matter of fact, from the story where we're at today, where we're going to find him in a cave, if you could back up a little more than a month, about 40 days, Elijah not only heard it, he saw it with his own eyes. He was there at that showdown at Mount Carmel where, where fire consumed a soaked sacrifice in the altar and the water that was all the way around it. He saw God move with his own eyes. It was pretty incredible. And God supernaturally showed up, showed out. Elijah had seen it with his own eyes. He'd seen the mighty hand of God. But sometimes our current circumstances are bigger than yesterday's celebration. Like the, the things we're facing today, the clouds, the turbulence that we're in today, sometimes they, they just, they cloud things and, and they begin to cause us to lose focus of what God did for me yesterday. I, I know, God, you provided for me. I know, God, you did some incredible stuff. But what I'm going through today, it's just kind of the new focus. And the problems I'm dealing with today have a way of just clouding where we are. That's exactly what lands Elijah in the dark place where he's at. I'm gonna read a lot of verses today. Most of it's in 1 Kings 19, but I'm going to tag some psalms and stuff to go along with this. So 1 Kings 19.3 is where I want to start. And it says, Elijah was afraid, and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba in a town of Judah where he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day, sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Just take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors who've already died. I want to jump to verse 8. It says, so he got up, ate, drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights. That's where I get that more than a month. So now we're 40 days later when he has this encounter with God at Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night, but the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? which Elijah replied, I've zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars. They've killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. God says, well, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him, and Elijah stood there. The Lord passed by. I love this part of the story. A mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was so terrible, such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And, and after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of this gentle whisper. When Elijah heard that, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out, and he stood at the entrance of the cave. Queen Jezebel, she, she wasn't Jewish by birth. She put a bounty on Elijah's head. He was afraid. He ran. 40 days and 40 nights, he, he's alone into the wilderness, finds a cave, and there in his darkest place, he just wants to die. And God shows up. Not all caves are bad. Sometimes we need to embrace the cave. Sometimes we need to embrace the pain of life because God is doing something in that. Elijah, who's one of the two greatest prophets of the Old Testament, he comes to a place where he's running for his life. Really, he's running from some things in his life. And I can relate because I've been there. 
he has completely let his emotions cloud his perspective. It's so easy to let emotions cloud my perspective. Elijah had lost his ability to see clearly. He was looking at his circumstances, not looking at God. When we face difficult circumstances, it is so easy to just see the problem and not get above the clouds with a higher perspective. It's so easy to just focus on our current situation, and then when our emotions kick in and our emotions kind of start swirling around, then it just makes the problem bigger. It just seems to multiply. Matter of fact, when Jesus is talking about the end times, when things are really going to get crazy, he tells us what we do when life gets there. Luke 21, you don't need to turn there. I'll put it up on the screen. It says, and there will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars. Here on earth, the nations will be in turmoil. That sounds like the news we read today. Perplexed by the roaring seas and the strange tides, people will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then Jesus says, this is how you should respond when you go through those kind of times. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up for salvation is at hand. Your world gets crazy, circumstances around you get a little funny. We gotta stand and we gotta look up. Don't focus on the problem, but look for God's perspective. Because God sees things I can't see. We see problems, we see circumstances, we see clouds, we see turbulence, we feel and see our emotions. God sees things differently. He has a higher perspective. And so this is what was clouding Elijah's perspective. There, I have no stones to throw at him because I have been there. I've been in my own caves. I've been in my own emotional messes. But this is what's piled up in Elijah's life. And this is what lands him in that cave of a dark place where he says, God, just take my life. First thing is fear. Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. I'd be afraid if the queen had a bounty out for me. I mean, it's fear. Then he experiences desperation. It says that he sat down under a broom tree and he prayed he might die. Lord, I'm done. I quit. Call it what you want. We've all been, Lord, I just can't do this anymore. There's this desperation. On top of that, he feels like a heel. He just don't feel like he's worth anything. He's got low self-esteem. Verse four, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he's rustling through some anger. I have zealously served the Lord Almighty. God, I have fought for you. I was there at Mount Carmel. I was serving you. God, I love you. I've been fighting for you. And then it says right there, Lord, like, where you been? I've been zealously serving you. So he's dealing with anger. Then he's dealing with loneliness. I'm the only one left. He literally feels like everybody else is serving the other guys. I'm the only one left. And then he's got worry and anxiety. They are trying to kill me too. Yeah, queen's trying to get you. I, I can understand some anxiety there. You're probably sleeping with one eye open. When you see all that going, any one of those things, the desperation alone can put us in a cave. The worry and anxiety alone can be enough that it just kind of grows in our mind and put us in a cave. When you pile all of that up, it is so easy to lose perspective. All we see is rain and clouds and wind and turbulence. And Elijah, like me and like you, we let our emotions lead us out of fear and worry and desperation to this cave of depression. And our emotions cloud our perspective. And God knew what Elijah couldn't see. And I read this 
earlier. I just love this part of the story. Verse 11, Elijah, go out here and stand before me on the mountain. And as the Lord passed by, a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that rocks were torn loose. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. Catch that. God did something incredible. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. And then the earthquake came, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Verse 12, and after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, what's next? Then there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the tent. Elijah knew about the incredible power of God. He had heard the stories of Moses and Abraham and David. He'd seen it with his own eyes just a chapter earlier in 1 Kings 18 at the showdown in Mount Carmel when God completely burned up a completely soaked altar and sacrifice. But what really got Elijah's attention was the stillness, quietness. See, sometimes we're looking for God in the big things, and God just wants us to be still and know that he's God. Sometimes we're, we're looking for the incredible things of God, and God's simply just calling us into intimacy. Most of us want God to do something so spectacular to stop our pain, rescue us, move the mountains, move the rock, but maybe what we really need instead of the incredible is to hear the gentle whisper of God and just stop and be still and know that he's still God. So if emotions, the fear, the worry, the anxiety, the desperation, if that's what clouds my perspective, how do I clear it up? I simply get into the presence of God. God's presence will clear my perspective. I can't tell you down through the years how many times when you carry the weight of something and you find yourself in a moment of worship, shout to the Lord, and then all of a sudden just the presence of God moves upon your life so much that you feel it and experience it, and just there's perspective that comes with it. God's got this. God's got this. And so God's presence will clear my perspective. Sometimes our most powerful encounters with God occur in our darkest places. One still, small, gentle whisper in the presence of God can change everything. It's when we're at our lowest point that God has our full attention. See, when life is great, we give God all the credit. But when life is not great, that's when we give God all of our attention. And as hard as it sounds and as hard it is to push through, we have to worship our way out of the pit. And worship may be the last thing you feel like doing. I, 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 not today. I just can't shout to the Lord today. You know, it may be the last thing you want to do, especially when you're battling depression. And that's what makes worship so special is when I can wrestle through the resistance and worship God anyway. In spite of my emotions, in spite of my pain, in spite of my feeling, in spite of my darkness, when I can push through that and worship him anyway. Psalm 34, verse 17, it says, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. That explains why God showed up in a mighty way when Elijah was in this cave of depression. God is close to the brokenhearted and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. It's in the darkest places many times you will find him the closest. 
the psalmist wrote, just be still and know that I'm God. Psalm 1611 says, you will show me the path of life because in your presence, there's the fullness of joy. That's why worship is so important. It's why church is so important. It's why gathering with believers is so important because worship is what starts the process to walking out of our faith. Worship takes me into his presence. Worship helps me clear my perspective. And rarely do we ever experience instant healing from our depression. But a fresh awareness of God's presence, it gives you just enough to take the next step. A fresh awareness of God's presence gives me just enough new perspective to get going. And like Elijah, we can step out of the mouth of the cave. He wasn't all the way out, but he was moving. So several years ago, I got very personal on this topic of of depression, and I kind of told our family's story. And I've never really had a sermon go viral before, but this one did. Within a couple of weeks, it had had several thousand views just because I told Jerry's story of years and years ago when she just battled through depression and all that went through. And that's her story and her story to tell, but just her faith journey and, and how she grew. And in the midst of those dark, dark places, I think part of her biggest frustration that I think we all have on our faith journey is, God, I read stories about a little girl that was dead and Jesus resurrected her. I read stories about a man that was blind and Jesus took some mud and some spit and now he can see. I read in Acts chapter 5 where Peter is just walking down the road and his shadow was enough to fall upon people and heal them. Yet here we are crying and struggling and wrestling and fighting our way out of our own cave. God, why won't you just fix it? We're people of faith. We believe you can. We read those stories. We know you can. God, why do my emotions have to suffer? Why does my heart have to live in turmoil? And in those darkest places, God has our fullest attention. And we many times are looking for him to fix it, and God is really looking to grow our faith. It's in those darkest places that God wants to reveal himself to us in the most intimate of ways. He showed Elijah a whole new side of himself. Elijah knew the incredible side of God. He had heard the stories. He saw it in 1 Kings chapter 18. He saw the fire consume the sacrifice, but God wanted to show him something new. You've seen the incredible. You saw the earthquake. You lived through the fire. The windstorm was there. Elijah, I want to show you something new about me, and it's the intimate side of God with this still, small, gentle whisper of God. The title of this message is What We Can't See. And Elijah had let his emotions cloud his perspective. He couldn't see reality. Honestly, there's just some things he didn't know. All he knew was his current circumstances. He certainly couldn't see from God's perspective. What God wanted to show Elijah is, first and foremost, I'm with you. Whatever cave you find yourself in, whatever emotional state, you're ready to quit, ready to decide. I just want you to know, Elijah, I'm with you. I'm going to show up in your pain. My love and my grace and my power and my intimacy, it will find you. I'm here with you no matter where you go. But he also wanted to show him something else. Elijah, you're really, you're really not alone. But Elijah couldn't see it. 
All he knew was that he was him and 850 bad guys. And the next day, the queen wanted him dead. And, and everybody else was, was really willing to serve Baal. Everybody else really was willing to, for their own personal pleasure to kind of turn their back on God. But God wanted to say, listen, Elijah, I know something you don't know. I've got this. What you can't see. I love verse 18. And I, I really try to be careful to not say, this is my favorite story or this is my favorite verse. But there's just something about the power in verse 18 for me through the years has been so encouraging in those moments when I feel all alone, I feel like God says, I see you, I got you, I'm with you. Verse 18 says, God, speaking to Elijah, he said, I will preserve 7,000, not seven, not 17, not 70. There are 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. Elijah, what you can't see, God's got this. When you feel like alone, God has got an army that you don't even know about. In our cave, what we can't see, or maybe we don't even know, maybe our emotions have clouded our perspective. God has got this. Somebody's going through something right now. It seems hopeless. You don't see a way out. You don't understand how this is going to work out. I'm just telling you, look up above the clouds. God's got 7,000 surrounding you that you don't even know about. God's got this. Amen, everybody? Been a little waspy today, Kelly. Whew. God wants to show you something about himself, either his power and his might, but if it's not the incredible, maybe he wants to catch you in your low place and just have a gentle moment of intimacy. He wants to show you something you've never seen to let you know you're not alone. He's here with you. There are other people that have been through and are going through what you're going through. There are other people that are worshiping their way out of their own cave. You've got people that are in this with you today. Where are you? Are you in a cave? Have you read this? And I just want to take just a moment. I've been yelling at you for 32 and I want to I want to just let the spirit of God all across this room. Nobody move around for just just a moment. Just every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm just having this Kelly just sing over. Us. I want this to be a place of the bondages be broken, lives be healed, stories be mended. I pray in this moment, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts. You would speak to our lives. Lord, there's somebody today, their faith needs to be built. And Spirit of the living God, would you fall fresh upon us today? Change our perspective.
their way out of the spirit living God falls fresh upon them. For hearts today that just feel suffocated, for hearts today that are in the cave of their own depression, suffocated by their own emotions, I can't see anything, God. I pray today, Lord, that you give us eyes of faith to see your perspective, Lord, that we might stand and look up as what Jesus told us to do. Father, I know you see things I can't see. I know you're doing things that I don't even know about. I know there are others that are struggling too, and today is the day of salvation. Father, today I believe hope and faith are rising up in our lives, in our hearts, and in our caves of depression. Lord, let healing take place, even though it may not be instant. God, I know you're calling us into a place of intimacy to hear your still, small voice. Oh, Jesus, we love you. Every head still bowed, every eye still closed. I won't keep you much longer, but if you're here today and you know right now in this moment that you are not in right relationship with Jesus, maybe you once were, but you've walked away, or maybe you never have completely, fully surrendered your life to Christ. In this moment, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I'm not going to embarrass you. You don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to walk an aisle. I just want to lead you in a heart, sincere prayer where you invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. If that's you, right there at your seat, I invite you just to pray this prayer with me. Would you say, Dear Heavenly Father, right there at your seat, just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today because I need you. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life and I don't want that anymore. I completely surrender my life to you. Would you come in? Would you begin to change me? Would you make me a new person? Beautiful name of Jesus. Every head still bowed and every eye still closed. I'm not gonna embarrass you. You don't have to stand up. I just wanna pray for you right there where you're at. If you prayed that prayer with me, would you just lift up your hand real high so I can see it? Anybody here today? All right. I see that. Anybody else? Okay, over there I see it. All right. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us today. You see these hands and hearts taking their next first step. Holy Spirit, there's a desire in us to be closer to you. There's a desire in us to be in right relationship with you. God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. Even though I may not feel it today, I'm gonna walk it out in faith. 
And Father, I pray for these hands and these hearts today that you would just surround them with your presence. God, just fill them with your spirit. Surround them with Christians. Lord, just to help them to understand it's a, it's a big thing. It's an eternal thing. Lord, I love being a part of a church where we see people come to know God and find freedom from our chaos. Discover our purpose. Together we can make a difference. In the beautiful, matchless name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody says, come on, give Jesus the biggest praise you got in your belly this morning. Amen, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way, you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.